Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Jesse. And, and we're, we're the, the DMs, DMs of, of Vancouver. Vancouver. We're two newish DMs who are still getting the hang of the whole DM thing. So we sit down with a friend every couple of weeks and pick their brain on their approach to DMing. So come along as we figure out how to help our players have the best time possible at the gaming table. Today's episode is brought to you by Adventure Dice. Adventure Dice is an online dice shop based here in Vancouver, selling a variety of dice and other gaming accessories. Personally, I'm a big fan of their rolling trays and the grounded pixie dice set. Adventure Dice ships for free anywhere in Canada, and if you use the code DMV at checkout, you can get a 10% discount on your purchase. That's DMV for a nice discount on your new tabletop gear. Find the shop at adventuredice.ca and roll for adventure! Hey folks, welcome to another episode of DMs Vancouver. Today we're going to be talking about ambiance. Today we're talking to Tori Fraser. How's it going, Tori? That's me. I'm great. I had two coffees. Actually, one and a half coffees because I fucked up my first coffee this morning. Oh shit, I forgot. Can I swear? Yes. Because I've done it twice now. So, <laughs> so we're just going to embrace that in life. I'm never sure. But no, well, yes. I'm just, I'm so yeah, glad that it, you got to it like right off the bat. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we have an episode and like halfway through or like 40 minutes in, somebody will swear and they'll be like, oh shit, can I swear? It's like, yes, we should have covered this at the start, but yes. I know. That's like, that you just asked my que- questions. I should ask like the always that's the one i forget but it's fine it comes up immediately because i swear a lot so we should we should have an official list of things to go over and we should have that in there (laughs) yes we have the same problem at ours we're always like oh yeah no yeah sorry we forgot to tell you that but well uh which i guess is a very good place to start for those who don't know you who am i yes (laughs) um as you said i am tori i have a podcast as well uh, which we actually just joined the same network or we'll be sort of doing that process shortly going over some things the technicalities welcome um, to cave goblins yay my second time here i love it it's so cozy so dim so 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 cave-like yeah <laughs> in a good way i like i like caves caves are fun <laughs> um but yes so i have a podcast called i like your dress um i also it's like an educational comedy is how we pitch it so we take a new, t- new topic learn new things also we're just funny we think <laughs> <You're pretty laughs> as funny. most people go <laughs> Um, and I've been DMing for a couple years now. I started playing D&D probably like four or five years ago. Uh, a friend was like, I want to learn how to DM because he had no friends who wanted to play as the DM. And so he DM'd a campaign for us, just the basic starter kit, 5e. Uh, so I'm a noob. <laughs> Haven't played the classics like many people yet. Um, and that campaign was maybe about a year. Then they had a kid who we jokingly called the dragon because she would kind of start crying and <laughs> interrupt the game. And so we're like, oh no, the green dragon has woken up. Um, I have to put her back to sleep. Um, that campaign lasted about a year. And then I didn't play for a while. And again, I had the same thing, which is no one wants to play. No one knows how to DM. So I guess I'll be doing it. And so I've done lots of one shots in a few small short campaigns. Um, and now I'm actually just a player in like a bunch right now. But yeah. It's nice being able to go back and forth. Oh, totally. Like, I DM a game and also play in a game. And nice. <laughs> you can relax one of the times. Yeah. I'm not currently playing or DMing anything, but I have plans this year. I have kind of a problem. I end up buying books mm-hmm. for, for systems where it's like, oh, that system looks cool. And then I don't get to play it because I'm too lazy to put together a group. <laughs> right. So I my, my goal this year is to play every system that I've bought but have not yet played. Damn. So like Corollis and Tales from the Loop and some of the Apocalypse settings and Monster of the Week and a whole bunch of things. I just buy so many materials for like extraneous, like, you know, um, like a bunch of underground city maps or like just like extra little things. 
I have the odd. Like, I have Horde of the Dragon Queen. That's, like, the one campaign I've bought. But I just love doing things myself. Because I have a degree in creative writing as well. Oh. Which is why I love words and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Did that for four years. Um, and so I, I have the problem of just, I want to do it all myself. So I look for little things that I can incorporate into my own games. And I think I've listened to a lot. Oh, God. I already punched the mic. <laughs> <laughs> that right. happened last time, too. Um, I've already. <laughs> it's your signature now. Every just, time you guess, you have to punch the mic. got to punch the mic. Just, just make sure it works, you know. Um, I'll figure what I was saying. Uh, I have the mistake, which I think I've listened. I've listened to a lot of your episodes. Thank you. I like you guys. You're great. I started you were your TCT TCTC Terminal City Tabletop Convention. I think. Yeah. Like a year or two ago, I saw you there. I think maybe. If that we didn't out. have a table, but we were no. around. Maybe someone for would just one be. Them, oh no! I was around for. Maybe one someone of them. at the Hero Book table gave me a, your like card oh yeah maybe you talked to sean halloran or um that's how i heard about it andrea from adventure dice that checks out who is a sponsor of the show thank you andrea <laughs> yeah because i don't think you guys were there but i got your card there yeah, cool um and started listening and i loved it and then i got more into the dnd um but yes punching mics doing too much writing <laughs> making the mistake of being like i'm gonna build a whole thing by myself no i made that mistake yes we all do just too excited my i i think it is the thing that i've noticed from having guests on the show and talking to them is that it feels like there's kind of two camps with a weird gray zone in the middle and one camp is they will never like they always you use pre-prepared like they'll run Mm pre-made campaigns Uh, if they want to do something smaller they'll find something online they they'll use homebrew stuff that other people have made but they don't do it so much themselves Mm -hmm. and then there's the people like me who will sit down and accidentally barf out a world with 2000 years of history. <laughs> or like you come up with a way to play poker in like your D&D game and like the different dice you're going to do for the different games in a casino. And you're like, why did I spend so much time on that? Anyway, yeah, if you want to have a game in a casino, I've got you hooked up. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that. I would play that. I don't think I would run that. I never actually got to do it. I had like a casino. I had this whole crab thing. Obviously, you should run it for us sometime. (laughs) We should. Some of the other folks in the network. I can't remember. I think the premise was there was like these crabs and they were sentient. And like they were had. I had like a bunch of different little stories that this town went, went off into. And the crabs were being enslaved. Or no, they were. Oh, yes. The crabs were in the casino as like fighting and they were mad about losing like certain members of the community to the casino and having to fight and like being like you know what's that cockfighting but with crabs <laughs> did not drop the coffee um you know I'm, what this i'm just is thinking of that hyundai help. commercial just eat a pinch <laughs> yes yeah you no know, crabs but cockfighting and then they were sentient and they like and if the, they rolled certain that certain encounter where they talked to one of the crabs they had to go and save crabs from the um corrupt casino that was in town that was how they were supposed to get to it it never happened didn't make it that far sadly <laughs> that sounds great honestly. that was just the idea that i had it's funny because you s- now i've punched the mic i don't think i've done that before <laughs> nope that's a first Contagious. Um, i'm sorry so sean you said it kind of it's like a continuum where it's like either all pre pre-made stuff or all and then i'm in the middle where it's like i'm running homebrew but it's like uh my preparation for this session is uh, seven sentences let's go <laughs> and that's a place i've got to through the course of the podcast which is way easier on me yeah i used to have so much paperwork prepared and like i still have it that i can access it because i built you know folders in my google drive of like oh here's like a list of sentient magical items like just roll and give that to someone for fun um but then i'll i'll just run with like the premise is sexy goblins (laughs) (laughs) and we're gonna go from there yeah here's a map that i found on pinterest all right so um getting kind of onto topic and relating maybe to the casinos Mm -hmm. uh 
for a casino setting? What are some uh, different audio sources you would use? Good choice. Good segue. Well done. I was thinking the same thing. I'll just go off on any topic. But um, I love ambiance. And I think we were discussing a topic and uh, sound effects and, and <clears throat> uh, music or whatever, like background um, stuff is a great easy way to start adding that ambiance to really like get yourself in the mood. Uh, especially for... Uh, different settings that are sort of like more i mean you have the traditional thing of just being in the forest being in town i think i had a one shot well it was the one shot that turned into a campaign uh, with some friends where they were just going to a small town and walking in and there was a heroes festival which ended up uh, leading to this like underground secret temple um and uh it was one of my earlier games that i'd been dming and the first campaign that i ended up doing and um i just got way too excited and i found i had used sound effects for um, I had a podcasting class at UBC, actually, in my creative writing degree. And so I had different things that I had used for, um, I did like a really short, uh, uh, it was like one one episode of what would have been like the pilot for a series of like two kids. Um, it was D&D inspired. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they like, I like recorded it with myself, like for the class because I had to, because I didn't have any friends that, I mean, I had friends, but I guess I could have, <laughs> I could have rallied someone into like being the other voice. So I have somewhere on my laptop, this like recording that's like half an hour of like these, it's like Ed Larf and Millie is what the characters were. And they're two kids who go to a cave and then they end up befriending this old lady or something. I can't remember how, what happened. There was definitely a twist in there. Um, but yes. So I had all these sound effects from this po- project I'd done a little like short audio fiction um, radio drama thing for um, class. And so I was like, oh, these sound effects are super fun. I'll just reuse them for my D&D game. So I like started the game and, like I had like footsteps crunching in the leaves and then a few other things. I looked up like an old Celtic song because there was like a Celtic moment or like a moment with music. I was like, Celtic music will work. That's D&D-like. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so because I had all the sound effects from a little thing I had, I used them for my first game and it was so much fun and it made such a big difference because I'd been playing like other one shots and like the game I was in, we just kind of pencils and paper and that was it and dice, like nothing else. Um, and obviously over time you start to discover like, oh, hey, that's a good idea. Like I saw you even made a Twitter post of this really cool um, tarot card deck. Oh, I yeah. could not afford it. I wish I could. I probably could, but I behaved myself. <laughs> um, and that was such a cool idea, like having tarot cards in the game as like a prop. Um, I've gotten into that more recently, mostly like I've done a lot of ambiance with the sound effects and the noise, playing your game in like a cabin in the woods, which is also really fun and kind of adding an element in the game to kind of match your surroundings. If you like play on the ferry, I don't know, I'll play in weird places with my friends. I'll just like grab my dice and like, let's go. <laughs> Something that I'm, I'm curious about because I've, I've tried to use sound before and like have, um, there's a couple of things I found like there's a site called, I think, Sirenscape. There's another one called Tabletop Audio. And the whole idea of these sites is that they've got just like background passive audio of like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're in a battle, it's just like background battle noises in like, you know, the middle of some giant fight. Uh, Or they'll just be like forest sounds or Mm -hmm. you're in a tavern or that kind of stuff. Uh, Or like upbeat tempo, like actual music for like during a fight to get players really into it. Mm -hmm. But I found that for me at least the way that i like to have everything laid out when i'm dming is that i didn't have room for like a tablet or a computer Uh, to control the music and that's something that that i'm curious about how did you like actually have the music at your table yeah i use a lot of my laptop has all of my different like i have that folder in google drive that i have literally everything in and so because of that and different websites i have tabbed for you know like 
someone wants a character name and I didn't name that random side NPC because I didn't. And I'm like, uh, there we go. Um, so because I have so many generators and just like open things on the computer, it was easy to just play out of my laptop. I have paper as well for like dialogue if I'm doing like a long campaign with regular characters. And so I do that. But I think because I already use my laptop for most of it now that I just, I don't have like a book if I'm doing a campaign. Um, yeah, I don't know. I also just take up half the table. I'm the DM. I do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think for me it's because I was playing at what is normally our kitchen table and mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure there's enough room for like the pat- the battle mat and for the players to have all their stuff. Uh, right. Like I'm I'm limiting myself to mu- like a much smaller area right. of space. And like when I was playing uh, at home, when I was running games where people would actually come to my place and play, uh, I would have like stuff behind me. Like I'd have a table mm-hmm. with like my prepared encounters and like a... I've got a really nice like rolling bin thing that's got all of my minis in it. Yeah. Um, uh, because my girlfriend is awesome and got that for me for my birthday one year. It's mm-hmm. just this really nice thing for IKEA that like it cleaned up all of my minis so that's nicely. Nice. But yeah, I just I don't have enough. I mean, I could probably figure out a way to just have like a little side table that has something yeah, on it. Just it's like just... a little laptop on the side, or even just like a speaker from your phone. I guess I just the thing is that. Because I, I, I use a lot of paper, like I mm-hmm. like all of my encounters when I play at a table, like I will have a sheet that's got all the encounters and then more, like a couple of index cards that have all the monsters stats mm-hmm. and then the minis and like I have everything prepared. and I've already got so much around me that adding and I think another one <laughs> adding one more thing to keep track of like I already have trouble keeping track of what's yeah. going on in battle even with a sheet that shows yeah. me the initiative I mean sometimes I get my players to do it like um or like someone else will volunteer to do the music for me which is kind of nice and that, so I'll like that them pick what they want like it's a boss encounter they can figure out like what it is <laughs> that's <laughs> they'll, they'll know that's something that I like I've heard people talk about doing for other things where if uh if you feel like you're getting overwhelmed trying to run like a battle encounter, mm-hmm. like have one of your players control like some of the monsters. Yeah. Have one of your players be in charge of initiative, like hand things off oh, to totally. some players so that especially if you've got players who tend to zone out as soon as it's not their turn anymore, giving them something to keep them. <laughs> Keeps them on the, the, on the ball yeah. so they don't miss their turn and then they get mad and you have to like retroactively. No. <laughs> yeah. So I, I like the idea of like giving, like telling somebody, hey, pull up this up this website on your mm-hmm. phone and link up to the bluetooth just speaker. like one you like or even just tell them look up a tavern yeah. <laughs> tabletop audio like you mentioned right. i've used that one as well which is awesome because it's got it's got tons of different noises and it's totally free i think you can like donate to them but most yeah of it's, I, think, I know sirenscape uh which is the other one has some free stuff but then you have to pay mm-hmm. after a certain amount That's and usual. i think it's a subscription um i've definitely been at a table with um when milo's running games for us and he'll just be like, hey, Haley, can you put on some death metal <laughs> while we have this fight? <laughs> okay. I think we had, like, Pokemon music last time I was playing. Nice. Like, someone put on something from something. I can't remember. Or, like, Final Fantasy. I'm you just, know. I'm just imagining, like, starting a battle and somebody bringing, like, oh. starting to play, like, Gen 1 Pokemon yeah. music. <laughs> be great. Like, original, like, color Game Boy, like, the 8-bit <laughs> sounds. I remember why, though. It was because I had, you we were playing Out of the Abyss, which has that sentient mushroom character. He's at the very beginning, so I'm not spoiling anything. But my mushroom friend, he's basically like basically my um, sidekick now. I've adopted him. He loves me the most because I'm a druid, obviously. And so his name is Stool, the mushroom. That is, I'm pretty sure either we call him that or that's in the book. If that's not what we, does he have another name? I can't remember if that's his name or that's what we keep just started calling him. But whatever, mushroom friend, he's sentient. He went from a tiny mushroom into like an adult mushroom. So they played the like evolving music because he was becoming an adult and it was beautiful. 
Oh, so satisfying. I definitely had Toxic by Britney Spears played on my table once because <laughs> one of my characters was playing like a robot from the future. Yes. And when whenever her character would go into a rage, she would choose the pop song. Nice. That's <laughs> that would great. just start like blaring out of its speakers. Oh my goodness. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I miss that character. <laughs> <laughs> so what is there anything else that you use for for ambience or do you have other like sound tricks that you use when you're um writing? i use i mean I, I like to use them especially for transitions or like big moments so like i don't always do the background music like constantly in the background um but i'll do like like just when you're walking into town like the footsteps crunching on the leaves or you know um we had a goblin funeral funeral <laughs> at this one game um because the goblins were like not that evil i like to make my my bad guys not that bad personally um and they had they had killed one of these goblins but everyone hated them anyways but still they had to have funeral and so i had all my players i'm like you guys are going to scream now because that is the traditional way of goblin funerals <laughs> and, and then afterwards it's like it was a sorry i'm like whispering away but now i realize that doesn't work with a mic um <laughs> and then i whispered like i had the, the goblin characters laugh at the guys because they were mes- messing with them that's not how goblin funerals actually work but they don't know that they had to scream um so sorry i'm just distracted by my like goblin like weird moments in my games now um yes i use them at moments that are important i think and so i'll, I'll look up a specific there's so many free sound websites out there i think one's literally called freesound.org or something that's probably the first one i found and i just look up the noise that i like and i play a bunch of samples and then i download them to a folder and like play them when i want them um yeah and then i don't know maps i only just started getting into the using um like a big mat for the fighting i was very much more like i mean as dm i had all my stuff but the players didn't have all that i probably should have done that for them <laughs> that's why i have more room because there was no mat um but i was playing a new game um and one of i'm lucky actually because that group like we're basically all dm'd so like everyone brings something new to the table like i he had one friend he had lots of minis and like a giant like grid map thing that you could draw on with like markers which is awesome um and i mean i have my laptop <laughs> so i'm contributing too um no i have very nice dice so there you go they roll too hot actually i have three sets of dice and my favorite i feel like a pink one and like a red one that are plastic and my favorite ones which were a gift probably like 30 dollars dice because they're like just solid metal i can't remember which company they're from uh they roll so well i can never dm with them because i just kill everyone like they're just rigged i don't know what it is and then recently i got this tentacle rod which you roll three times to hit and i rolled three nat 20s in a row and it was just the peak moment of my life. <laughs> oh, it's never going to happen again. But, you know, anyway. Um, I like to use maps as well now. And I've discovered recently through other friends bringing their materials, like using like minis and stuff like that really helps. Because then like if you're DMing, like someone says, I want to do this. And you're like, can you do that? I'm not sure because you don't have like a visual to look at. Right. I'm a lenient DM. So I'm like, anything goes. <laughs> I've... But... I... I've actually I've I started off being a, a map person and part of the reason was that I like some of the encounters that I did um really only work with a map because there's mm-hmm. way too much to explain like one of the things I did for uh the first long campaign that I ran is at one point they uh had to track down and kill uh, a couple of witches that were part of a coven so mm-hmm. and these are uh like which is like the hags from the one of the books that has extra monsters and stuff. The Anisag? No, like the night hag and the 
I mean, that's the monster manual. Not the monster. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, not the monster manual. The Volo's the guide. Volo's guide. Yes, oh, Vol- the one yeah. that has like extra ones, extra like different kinds. But anyways, so there's a couple of different ha- types of hags. But to get into their like where like their hideout, the witch's coven hideout, basically. Mm-hmm. The first step was to make their way through this magical tree. Mm-hmm. And um, basically each, there was uh, six rooms or eight eight rooms um, that were connected by port, like magical stepping stones, basically. Right. And uh, basically I had this big mat that like every time they stepped on a number, uh, well, a rune, quote unquote, they would move to the the appropriate room and I would uncover that next room and like, Mm -hmm. okay, now you're here. Mm -hmm. And eventually the whole thing was uncovered. But part of the reason that I wanted to do that because the quote unquote runes were really just like like a number mirrored so like if you draw a two yeah and then you like flip it over like that whole thing uh, it's hard to explain in words because like i can use yeah. my hands to show you guys <laughs> but for podcast listeners i don't know maybe i'll put a picture up on twitter or something <laughs> I, I, like i got the idea from somebody else doing it so i'm i think it's out there in like the fantasy rpg world yeah but anyways the idea was that like if you stepped on the one you'd go to two you step on uh two oh, you go yeah. to three you step on three it was kind of like that yeah and the thing I found really funny was that um, I thought it was very clear, but I think this is the problem that a lot of DMs run into is that because you've made the puzzle, you're like, oh yeah, this is super easy. <laughs> and then uh, they, they eventually just brute forced their way through. And then afterwards I'm like, so you, did you guys figure it out? And they're like, figure what out? And I'm like, the numbers are, they're mirrored. And they're like, oh. <laughs> I think I have seen like, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I have seen something like that online. But yeah, the puzzles pretty much go two ways. It's either so simple that they're that that like they figure it out right away, and you're like, "Oh, that didn't last any time at all. What am I gonna do for half an hour?" Or they're so complicated, you spend like an hour on it. And you're just like, "Guys, come on, please, I can't give it to you anymore." Obviously. <laughs> so this reminds me of a story. I'm trying to remember what they're called. It's a YouTuber who does like mm-hmm. videos about spells and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He was talking about this trap he had, or a puzzle he had, where it was a room, and when you got to the center and pressed the button, a counter started. And as it got further down, like things got more and more grim. And but if you press the button, it would reset. So the players kept pressing it, trying to figure out what happened. And the solution was literally <laughs> just to wait for the countdown to end. But they were in there for like four hours, oh <laughs> trying like in playtime, trying to figure it out. Yeah, I think like I think either you you've talked about it before with me, or I've seen the same video. But it was like yeah, just when you press the button, like the room starts to. Like it start to shake or like things yeah. start to seem really dangerous. I think dangerous. it's like twelve through eight is fine. Once it gets to seven, the lights go out, but you can still see the countdown. Once it gets to f- five or four, it starts like shaking and lights start okay. flashing and like, and then once you get to zero, the lights come back on, the door opens, and nothing happens. So they just kept hitting the button and going through all of the steps over and over. Yeah, and trying over to figure out the puzzle because oh, that's funny. <laughs> but buttons are dangerous. The puzzle is there is no puzzle. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> the puzzle is press the button and wait for the countdown to end. Yeah. But countdowns are so intense. Yeah. But I think, like, that's... I, ooh, interesting. <laughs> the, like, that kind of stuff, though, like, part of me wonders how much of that that moment is sold by the ambiance of him describing the room and mm-hmm. the lighting and all of this stuff happening. Whereas if he just said, like, you're in, a, like, there's a neutral white room with a pedestal and a button and, like, <laughs> n- nothing happens except it just starts counting down. Like... 
having it just count down versus it's counting down and then the lights go off and then it starts to shake like yeah. those are two very mm-hmm. different experiences oh yeah oh for sure oh i think the other thing that added to the time is they refused to press the button for a very long time <laughs> they tried oh, to search for alter like any other right. way out of the room and all yeah. that kind of stuff yeah um anyway we were talking about maps <laughs> um, yes maps are great yeah. i like maps <laughs> <laughs> i think and but the thing that i've found actually there was an end point to where i was going with the map stuff is that um I've actually found because I had to start running on roll twenty because some of my mm-hmm. players moved away and we wanted to keep playing. Uh, that doing maps for a computer screen for me is way too intensive, so oh, I just God. gave up and started doing theater of the mind, mm. which in some ways was actually a little bit more freeing. I, mm-hmm. And I think because at that point I had like leveled up my you know appropriately enough ambient skills, mm-hmm. so I was able to like sell a room as feeling dangerous or being just, just kind of plain descriptions, right? With just describing stuff and just trying to remind myself to describe things mm-hmm. a little bit more than just it's a room. scribbling something on a <laughs> like because you know when I when people are gathering around a table, if I was preparing a map, especially because I had this like nice big uh, graph paper with like one inch mm-hmm. squares on it that jesse gave to me get um, it at staples <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh i could prepare and like nicely draw an encounter map if yeah. i wanted if it was meant to be just like here's a giant chamber with a bunch of stuff in it go mm-hmm. versus using uh like a, a wet erase mat to do like oh you're making your way through a dungeon and you're gonna find out mm-hmm. about it piece by piece i i once tried because i thought i've seen matt mercer do this on critical role a couple of times where he'll have the mat and he'll just have like pieces of paper that he yeah, takes I've off done that before that has never worked for me it just feels like i'm i'm always on the edge of like mm. i think i have a little bit of an anxiety issue because i'm always just like i'm gonna reveal too much whereas if i'm just like lazily drawing something out it's like yeah you see well, this much like, more hallway flexible to like change it on the spot and there's no like metagaming of like oh hey look at all those stickies we haven't reached yet yeah and, like they kind of know that's why I don't like the sticky solution. <laughs> Although in a pinch, you need to print a mat and whatever, it's fine. Yeah. But, but yes. I think with, with maps, it's it's tricky because if you're trying to build a sense of, like, for example, one place that my players went was this uh, big mansion that uh, basically uh, a master woodcarver had gone, Ooh. well, had been accused of going insane by his family and then he like mm-hmm. built it out with all these extensions and filled it with traps. Oh boy. And I had like the entire thing mapped out and I just kind of plonked the first level in front of them. And it was meant to be kind of like this creepy abandoned-ished mansion, but mm-hmm. I think because I just like plonked the map down in front of them, I didn't sell it very much. It was uh... just like yeah, she okay. just got like betrayal in the house in the hill and just like <laughs> yeah and i think well that that would actually have been a really good idea just i just thought of that now i was like shit i should do that <laughs> that's actually a really good idea especially for Super like easy. A, like a mansion that changes oh, every time totally. you go in oh, like oh. harry potter stairs yeah well especially since there is betrayal at Baldur's gate like there is a D betrayal game perfect yeah. overlapped done but um i mean i was able to sell like the stress of being in this trap filled area by mm-hmm. like like describing something of like oh you're you're going up the stairs and you feel the 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 board shift under your foot roll a a dexterity save like and like it doesn't matter if they failed or passed because it was just an old board that shifted and so like i was able to get them into that that feeling initially not right away but yeah like i wasn't able to sell the ambiance because i think partially because the map 
hindered that. And so I found mm. doing theater of the mind, it's been easier yeah. to like sell ambiance on For just sure. description. Whereas when you have a map, I found like if you're if they're battling in like some throne room or something that gets lost and it's just we're in a square room yeah. and here's some pillars that block line of sight. Like yeah. they're not like maybe the players are imagining some like mm-hmm. ornate golden throne and fancy marble pillars. Yeah. But I think most players and most people, like, they look at the map and all they see is the map. Oh, totally. And also you're only working with a bird's eye view, which is completely different than, like, visually seeing it, like, from your first first person sense, right? I mean, I'll often describe things in reference to other things that I know people have seen. I'll be like, oh, we're in this haunted house. Like, think of that episode of, like, Black Mirror where the video game won and then he has to go into, like, the scary video game. And then anyway, that's what I was thinking of. But, (laughs) um, and then I'll, like, have that kind of, like, it'll save me a lot of time and also, like, you know, they have at least something to grasp onto if I'm feeling really lazy and not wanting to describe. Yeah. But yeah, I think the words and definitely like description of things, which I also have gotten better over time now to build the ambiance um, <laughs> is super important. And I think you like people underestimate that a lot. Um, they're just like, you know, here's the map, here's whatever, like letting people rely on that, which is great. It's a good start. Everyone's going to start somewhere. Yeah. But working on that for sure. I remember seeing just like something I read online that was like five different ways you could describe a room as opposed to just like what's physically there. So like the temperature the the walls like the texture of it um obviously objects in the room the noises that you're hearing um like different things like that the smell exactly like trying to work on all the senses as opposed to just like like you said here's a throne room like which is something but maybe that could be totally different like a decrepit throne room maybe a very very nice lavish one that's you know busy and has actively been lived in like very different yeah vibes because i think one of the things that i found that when you're selling ambiance, when you like describe something as being like, for this is something I've run into a couple of times where I'll put out a map and like make it like t- tell the players like, oh, and this thing here, like there's a, a 15 foot, like this is like mm-hmm. a 15 foot interval between yeah. this floor and this floor or like this, these steps will bring you 20 feet up to this next section. And because it wasn't described to them as like, you know, this throne is looming above your heads. It's 15 feet above your heads. Then there's these like grand stairs that go mm-hmm. up to it because that, that image wasn't placed in their head. It was yeah. just, here's a bird's eye view yeah. of like oh, just totally. some lines on a map. Yeah, no, for sure. It just becomes, like you said, it's just a bird's eye view. It tends to you can't really flatten how way. you think about it. Yeah. yeah I, I like the, like what you're saying where you have, like you draw it out. Like we started using this really big white, white or board erase kind of uh, textured paper thing. Um, and that helps a lot where as you're going, you kind of like, I can describe it and then the map is just squares and like the shape of the room, but like not much else. Um, and you should like kind of describe the objects because no one's, it's a circle. What is that circle? <laughs> stalagmite or stalactite, stalagmite. That one's on the bottom uh, ground because there's a G in it. Um, <laughs> but this has become word tips with Victoria. Sorry. <laughs> I had to tell the difference. I was going somewhere and I forgot what it was. Yes. I like the idea of describing it as you go and like building it that way. Um, maps, I prefer like on the scale of like, like I'll paint a map because I do watercolors for like the, the continent that they're on, like the country. Like I like that because I think that kind of helps to have like, okay, look, there's desert over here in this town. There's some mountains. There's like water, uh, different rivers, like the larger scale maps I like to especially draw. So then you have like a whole world. Um, but yeah, for the small like actual encounters, I tend to do like kind of just like paper, pencil, whatever. And then describing it. I find that's easier. Unless I'm using a pre-made thing where I'm like, here's the cool house that came with the book. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm... Sorry, I was gonna... I, I wanted to say that, like, 
I think there is something to the fact that for some DMs, a big mistake with, especially if you've made the map ahead of time, is it's very easy to put it down and be like, mm. this is the room and like forget to describe it. Because I know yeah. I've done that a lot where I'm like, this is this is the cathedral you're mm-hmm. fighting. In. And they're like, okay, cool. Well, what's that? Oh, right. Yeah, that's those are the pews. Oh, that makes sense. What's that? <laughs> that's the animated armor that's about to kill you. Oh. Uh, what's that? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I have played so many games where I have players who are just like very timid and they don't want to like die. I don't know. No, I don't have a lot. Like I'll have one player who'll be like every once in a while who'll be that like what's that the podcast. I'm trying to think of the podcast. It's like the famous one, Adventure Zone. Like yeah. Magnus rushes in, it's like mm-hmm. a big barbarian who just like you know goes and dies. Um, but I always play with people who are timid and they have like a wizard or a bard and they don't have a lot of hit points and so they're like kind of peeking through things. Oh, which was a whole problem in itself because I literally had to have my bad guys just like murder them or like try to murder them because they were like, no, I want to discuss this. I'm like, no, they're trying to cut your face off with an axe. You have no choice here. Um, Like they befriended everything. I had a very nice druid like gnome, but she wanted to talk to all the animals. I'm like, this is a very evil snake who works for a necromancer. He is going to eat you. There is no friendliness here. But anyways, um with players who like don't want to con- like go into the room right away they're like I, s- I open the door a crack and so i find like <laughs> as much as that's sometimes really annoying for me as a dm to be like just go in there's like nothing in there but um it helps for like maybe the reveal of like they're only looking through the window of the cathedral and then i can be like okay from this you can only really see a little bit yeah. or it's like dusty and you can like force them in eventually but yeah but yeah I th- one thing that i did find was when i was doing stuff on roll 20 I would make maps using a couple of tools I found online and it it took too long and it burned me out, (laughs) but I did find that the difference in quality or or like I would spend an hour trying to find the perfect map on Mm. Pinterest or whatever. Yeah. And the having a really nice detailed map can help sell it, but I just found that the work I was putting in to find or make those maps Mm. was not worth the payoff, especially since I think in the future, if I was going to play on Roll20 again, the only time what I eventually shifted to with Roll Twenty was just theater of the mind, but if I was going to use Roll Twenty again, the only places that would have maps are places that I would expect the players to come back to multiple yeah, times. That's what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah, because like if they've got a home base, uh, like for example, I just uh, a few weeks ago I received I backed Matthew Colville's um, Strongholds and Followers, mm-hmm. and the whole idea with that book is that it has rules that lets your players build a base like if you've got a cleric it's got rules so that they can build a temple and make it better over time Mm -hmm. and the basic idea is it gives you an excuse to give your players lots of gold because then they will spend it on making (laughs) their home base really cool that's cool Um, oh that's a great idea i should really do that and the idea of having a map that like maybe your players can contribute to to be like oh this is how i want my portion of our home base to look this is my room you can't come in (laughs) (laughs) no orcs Um, (laughs) just the one half orc (laughs) i can only half go in the room (laughs) but uh having having a map that uh it's either like if they continuously get captured by the bad guy and are brought to like i'm thinking kind of like saturday morning cartoon style where they're Mm -hmm. always ending up captured and in the bad guy's lair (laughs) then you can make a map for it that's really nice and detailed but otherwise just keep it to the places that they go really often like maybe the throne room if they're working closely with the king and they need to talk to the advisors all the time and you have like a nice graphic of a map Mm -hmm. that you can like show them like moving troops around on or something (laughs) but i just yeah i found for myself that trying to make maps digital maps that looked nice for roll 20 just 
I can't even imagine. Burn yeah, no. I'm, I'm For maps and stuff, very much paper. That's where I don't use my laptop because I'm like, no, I need to draw this with my hands. <laughs> yeah. Like I've, I've seen people who have these really amazing setups where they'll have like a projector or a bottom yeah. projector. and oh, So cool, but so much work. Yeah. But <laughs> much, so much money. Um, and that. <laughs> uh, but so we've talked about sound. We've talked about maps. Something I'm curious about because I've used it a little bit, I'm curious to see what you guys have done, is if you, or if you've done it, is physical props. Woo! Yes, I've done physical props a couple of times. I wish I have done more. I've only just started thinking about that. Like, I've had, like, spell cards and, like, a little backpack that I origami made for their, like, stuff, so they kind of have, like, a literal bag that they can pull different items, and to keep track of, like, what they have, because, you know, people always forget it on their character sheet, but then you might, like, open, it's this really cute thing I found online. Anyway, you just, like, fold the paper into, like, a card box, but you can decorate it so it looks like a little backpack. It's so cute. Um, uh, I made one for myself. My players, we were supposed to have a night where we all, like, made them together, but it didn't end up happening. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, like, something physical for that kind of stuff, anyways, at least. That's, like, the my extent of props is, like, that, uh, because I often find as a player, and, like, as a DM, my players tend to forget that they have this really cool cat statue they can ask weird questions to, and then, you know, they find out, like, months later, oh, yeah, I haven't used that in a while. Like, you still have it. Like, it should be there. Yeah. Anyway. So I know, Sean, you've talked about, I think, on the show many times now that you've had coins. Coins and gems have been amazing. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I had uh, literal hats. <laughs> um, so I have a, a toque that's like like little foxier toque. And I've had multiple characters in my games that are like fox people. That's kind of a repetition of uh, a theme in my games, right? There's always a, at least a character that is a fox person. They're my favorite animals. <laughs> I have a fox hat. So I'll, if I remember, I will put that on that's when cute. I'm the character. Um alternatively i have a hood from an old cosplay that i never ended up really wearing that i'll put on whenever there's like a cultist or something like that nice um oh, dressing up as the dm that's a great idea yeah i have a dragon onesie i've been saving for like a big dragon thing but i haven't actually used it yet Ooh. it's like a little spyro onesie where it's like purple with nice. like little horns actually really big horns but yes yeah. um, i'll show you a selfie later <laughs> yes please and this is not really a prop but like i have a character in one of my games that's like a shopkeeper who's like a sentient octopus so i always make sure to wave my arms around whenever i'm being the character actually to my players eternal delight Aww. something that i i read i read a book recently uh it was a sci-fi book but part of it was dealing with uh an uplifted race of octopuses so part of the book was from the perspective of the octopus and the thing that the book uh, pointed out and this is i think is based on real science is the fact that octopuses don't really control their arms they kind of just like their arms have their own little brains in them so their main mm -hmm. brain will just say like i want to do a thing and their arms will kind of just figure out how to do it <laughs> so like they could be doing something with their arms that they're not really conscious of so like Ooh. if they're talking to a player that you could just be like <laughs> feeling their face or like poking them and it's not like, oh uh dr octopus no Spider-Man character? Dr. Yes. Octopus. Dr. Is it Dr. Octopus? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Doc his Oc. arms are like have their own mind and they do like random shit. Oh, in, yeah, in the movie, yeah. In the movie, yes. And they like kind of go and do like... Sometimes in the comics, too. Do they? <laughs> I haven't read enough the comics. <laughs> Sometimes, not always. Inconsistent <laughs> character powers. Just him yelling. I just picture like an octopus like yelling to its own arms. Being like, God damn it, stop. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if one of the, I have used coins and gems because the players having their own like purses of coins is fantastic because it means that uh i can steal from them in between <gasps> sessions yes um and and finding out them finding that out is, is pretty hilarious <laughs> i only did it once though i didn't want it to become a thing where they mm. didn't trust me anymore yeah. but the thing the other thing that i've done that i've found really enjoyable 
is I've got a collection of knickknacks that I've kind of mm-hmm. gathered over the years, and I guess it was me like subconsciously preparing for being. <laughs> um, That's a good retroactive justification there. <laughs> yeah, okay. but I've also gone to like Value Village and looked for like things that look like fantasy role playing props. Yeah. Um, and like one of the things that I found, actually, I think I got this as a like a monthly box thing that was a like you'll get like. Uh, a a dungeon crate yeah dungeon crate kind of thing Uh. and one of the things that came in that was a medallion that on one side had this like seven pointed star with a like red like glass gem in it and Mm -hmm. the other side had this like dragon figure and i handed that out and the thing that i i really like doing is like some of these things that i hand out i don't explain anything about it like Mm -hmm. it's just oh you you've killed this cultist and you found this thing I don't know what it is. Awesome. Let's find out what it is. That's even better because you tangibly have it and then they can actually like more visually see it and then like ask the questions based on it as opposed to you having to describe it a little bit and then kind of giving things away. Or show a picture. Yeah. And the thing that I've I've found interesting is that like some of the stuff that I've given away, I gave away to see what my players would come up with what it might be. Genius. Because I usually am focused on just like the main storyline basically Mm -hmm. and i'm always open and and would like to do like little like side adventures and stuff but i'm too focused on like when i'm prepping i'm focused on that so if my players can help me come up with things and they don't even realize it fantastic yes i always have the the problem though where sometimes like i'll give them a like here you found like i don't know a monocle like whatever just like the character i've decided had that thing and then the player takes it and then later on i'll get like a text from one of my players they're like is this really important like way later i'm like i don't even remember giving that to you so probably not so, but then you don't want to tell them that so you have to be like yes definitely a very important monocle <laughs> so we just took a break because uh a bio break and we forgot where we are where we were so we're we, just gonna start over from we were talking about props i, props, I think tokens. we got i think we got through most of that yeah i think um, so yeah I, unless you guys have any further thoughts i mean you are the best prop really yeah and like like you were saying like with your like wiggly noodle arms <laughs> um, <laughs> which i think is very important but yes i think uh, objects i'm already more inspired i was thinking actually um while doing this um i have a lot of uh board games and my mom is a huge board game person my whole family we're big old nerds and so i have tons of weird props there that i could use and there's just one game that i really want to now do like a D one shot with it's, it's called uh escape from atlantis i think it's okay. really old and it's got like a 3d um like it's got a map but then the 3d pieces because you take away the pieces because you have to get off the island with all your little like ponds and escape and there's dolphins there's sharks the dolphins the best um and you have to like save yourself and no save your six people um but then you can like sacrifice others anyways um it's great and it's a really nice map i actually found a second copy at a thrift store recently for like two dollars uh maybe even a dollar fifty it was cheap i was so excited and i was like this will fill all the missing pieces that i'm missing so i have two of them so i can make like the ultimate like atlantis island with all the pieces and have like a fun like the island is sinking save yourselves kind of moment nice so yeah using what you have essentially because there's tons of stuff like you said thrift stores there's like just get inspiration anywhere that's what i do yeah and like you don't you don't even need to do a lot like one of the things that i found helped was um writing notes for players Mm -hmm. and i went overboard and like picked up a little calligraphy and got a little (laughs) like wax stamp thing but um the thing that i found really helped was uh i didn't want to give a note to one player Mm -hmm. and for people to be like 
oh, this is important because that player got a note. Mm-hmm. I'd write a note for everybody. Mm-hmm. And for some, for some of the players, the note would just be like a message from home being like, hope things are going well. That's and cute. Or like, thing, or a report from the mercenaries guild that they're mm-hmm. a part of. And then like one of them would get an actual thing that would advance Reach the story, the quest, yeah. but all of them would get something. That's awesome. That's like a really good way to help back backstory too. I like, I got uh, Xanathar, Xanathar. Xanathar's guide to everything. I was, I, yes. I was like, I'm going to try and say this word, but I'm not going to be able to, <sighs> but yes. Uh, <laughs> just cause I have a degree in writing doesn't mean I know how to say words. And uh, that's a really good book. And I was making my sorcerer character for this game. I just started, um, and it had lots of like really helpful things of like working on the backstory for like where did you get magical powers and like blah 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 blah. And that's a neat idea to help with characters. I find with new players especially they don't think about the backstory as much. I mean either they go overboard and they've got like five pages and you're just like I'll read that later. <laughs> we'll find out through the game. Like I'm not. That's too much. Um, or they have no backstory other than like yeah I'm a paladin. Um, I've been. I'm gonna be good and do good stuff and then they turn kind of evil. Like, oh, okay. Uh, could have could have helped if you had a backstory so we'd know but you know things can change um yes that's a good idea for backstory i think that's good to start a game too even like having i like when players and dms both kind of work together for their backstories because then like it's not so it's more fluid and natural and you can have like new discoveries where like maybe i didn't make the connection that my sorcerer likes scorpions oh that's because she was bit by a scorpion genius like whatever (laughs) she eats scorpions for breakfast anyway Something that I've I actually read that makes a lot of sense is that if you've got players who continuously come to your table with 10 pages of backstory, <laughs> start your players at level 10. <laughs> because then that backstory actually makes sense. Yeah. Especially if they're the kind of player that's like, oh, I was a powerful knight and I did a lot of really cool stuff. That doesn't make sense when you're level one. <laughs> yeah. In the book, it says that you're supposed to be like level one, but like you're not just a normal person. Like you have some sort of history. But, like, you have so little hit points. You're basically not. You're special. <laughs> you might have, like, two more hit points than, a, like, a peasant. Yeah. Or maybe even less than some peasants. I can't remember. There's, I like, some stats. Three. Do they? Something like that. Three, three or four. Three to five. Somewhere in there. It's, it's not, not yeah. a lot. It's very minimal. You're, you're, like, a peasant with slightly better, like, knowledge. Yeah. Uh, your note thing reminded me about a, a thing that I like to do, which is I will give players dreams. And like Ooh. hand them hand them notes that say that, um, which has backfired on me because my thing is like, aha, you have this dream, and then your characters will talk about it, and then each of them will take it and read it and turn around the table, <laughs> and I'm like, it's not what I meant for you to do. Uh, I'm just imagining giving somebody a dream, but it being one of those like weird, incomprehensible dreams that they're really excited to talk to people about. But as soon as they start talking, people are like, oh, my God, stop. Yeah, that's the, yeah. that is more or less what I did. <laughs> <laughs> this just reminds me. You should just give them. Um, have you played Mysterium, the board game? Yeah, but the really vague dream cards that yeah. are super like, what does oh, that even man. mean? Just hand them those, and then they I, won't be able to say. I anything. desperately want to figure out a way to integrate a game of Mysterium into a D and D game. That would be cool, but it would. I think it would be a lot of work. You find a way. Yeah, I could integrate elements anyway. Um, <laughs> so Victoria, earlier you mentioned that you watercolor your maps and stuff yes. like that. Um, so and you, I know you make comics and stuff. A little bit, yeah. not well. <laughs> so. Uh, do you do you use your artistic skills to make like characters and stuff? I'm so glad you asked. Yes, <laughs> oh, I love drawing my characters. Like I went to, I just started playing this one campaign with some uh, comedians, and uh, they're like, "Your character walks in the room." And like, oh no, actually, I didn't walk in the room. I came out of an orb for some reason. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how I wound up in there, which is great. Another like backstory character. The 
anyway, I'll go back into that later. But um, they're like, well, describe your character. I'm like, can I describe it or can I just show you? And I went to like pull out my like watercolor of my character. She's like in a red dress, with, like a long braid, like looking all sexy with her like scorpion in her hand. I think you probably saw it. Yeah, I saw that one. Um, and I like couldn't find it. I was so disappointed. Oh, no. I spent all this time on this beautiful like watercolor, and and like I'm like, oh, okay, well I'm sexy as fuck, and I have a red dress on, and I was like disappointed because it was like not as good as my picture. I was like, can I tell you or can I show you? And they're like, well tell us because then i didn't it was very disappointing um next time i play with them i'll be like here i am and then like show it to them um but yes i like to do um character portraits for my characters just because always um usually they look a little bit like myself as you know (laughs) that's life (laughs) it's the easiest thing to draw (laughs) it's funny because one of the things that i do have a huge digital collection of Mm -hmm. is character portraits and character drawings that i've just found online and have collected every time i see one that's cool i'm like oh that's neat i save Mm -hmm. it you should should put it on the dms of vancouver drive so i can also use it (laughs) (laughs) and um the thing that i found that helps the most with the using these is partially it helps sell a character like if yeah. uh there was a character that the the players encountered that was meant to be uh she was a a general like one of the highest ranking members of this mercenary guild mm-hmm. and she was meant to be like this tough kind of no nonsense person that they discovered over time had kind of a heart of gold she was a really nice mm-hmm. person but just had to have this really gruff exterior yeah. and the picture i found sold that perfectly and and i've just found that having a picture can spark your imagination as to what this character who they are Mm -hmm. and can also help sell that to the players well and also like you have like a tangible thing to grasp when you're like interacting with each other so you can like know you know um like let's say like the dmc is that i have you know my character has very long hair like oh no like that's a thing that could catch fire or whatever like my long dress i trip on like it's an opportunity to like physically use the clothes or the traits of the character and like bring that into the game and add to the ambiance <laughs> magical word today um but yes yeah i like i like to draw things i'm not good at it but i do it for fun <laughs> it's it's so my wife is an artist and she'll draw her character and so like i describe my character the game she's like this this is me and i'm like ah <laughs> <laughs> show off so now in that game because our dm is also an artist who is adapting that game into a comic, I will soon just, if I'm telling people about the character, I'll just be like, uh, this one. That's <laughs> me. That's cute. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, for, for folks who aren't good at drawing, there are tons and tons oh, of resources. Yeah. Like, there are artists, like, um, there's a site, I think it's called ArtStation, and it's basically a place that uh, artists put their, like, portfolios up. And mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend and this is something i've been trying to do and sometimes the art that i find online it doesn't have the artist's name because people are bad about that kind of thing I know, but, but tell me about it <laughs> but if i find art and i know who the artist is i will like write that down on the back so that i can tell the players like oh this person did this amazing drawing of mm-hmm. this is what the character is it's not the character i've made isn't words whatever let's move on <laughs> yeah oh ooh, uh, or you can use a uh, p crew which is a site full of like little character maker like pre-made oh. things where you have oh, a bunch okay. of different options. <laughs> oh yeah, there's like websites. I saw this one where you can like it like three D prints your minis for you. Like you Hero Forge. Hero Forge. Yeah, that's, yeah, and then like they, stuff like that. I can't afford that, but you could always like look like design it without actually yeah. paying to uh, ship it to yourself. <laughs> I actually did something. I um, two well, two bits of news. The first thing is that uh, for the campaign that I ran that ended up being like almost two years towards the end um i got the players to design uh, minis and send me the files and i got them all printed out 
so that uh, we could have a session where we just like sat and painted all the minis, uh, which was really fun. The other thing is that uh, they're kickstarting the ability. They're going to upgrade. They want to upgrade all their printers so they can print with multicolored filament Mm -hmm. so that you can get a mini that like you can design it on their site and color it Mm -hmm. and it comes out looking almost as good as if it had been painted yeah at this point That's they cool. successfully kickstarted with i think almost 10 times the amount they were they it was very <laughs> it was very successful it <laughs> yeah. looks very cool and i can't wait to pay 50 dollars for a custom painted mini, yeah. which is about how much you would pay pay to get somebody to custom paint a mini for Probably, it yeah. yeah i mean i have yeah i my, my secret shame is that in my uh rolling box of drawers i have a whole bunch of reaper minis that i have not painted <laughs> It's so much work. My mom has like, uh, what's that one board game that's like really, Zombicide. And we have so many. I don't think any of them are painted, except maybe the main characters. So we have a ton of those. And my mom's like trying to get my brother to come over one day. She's like, you need to paint all these for me. But there's like a hundred. Oh, it's going to be horrible. It's so much work. Yeah. Well, we don't, my mom doesn't have the paint, so my brother's the only one who has it. So she's like, you're the only reason this could ever happen. For now, we just have gray zombies, but oh well. <laughs> one, um, I think we're getting close to having to wrap up, but one thing that the last thing that I want to ask, um, because we've covered like touch by using physical props and sound and, and sight by using pictures or nice maps or all that kind of I'm going to ask about smell. <laughs> and the only reason I'm going to ask is because I bought a candle from, I can't remember, but I will try to remember to tweet it out it's a candle that apparently the smell is arcane library Ooh. <laughs> and my girlfriend doesn't want me to light it because she's afraid <laughs> it's just going to smell dusty uh, but i do want to give it a shot if they ever end up in like a giant arcane uh-huh. library that they get lost in of course um but i'm wondering if you guys have ever used like anything like mm-hmm. that like even just like Here's a vanilla candle because you're in a healing spa kind of thing. Or like there's like some fresh vanilla baked cookies from whatever <laughs> tavern you're in. That's smart. I have not used smell yet in my games. Clearly I need to because I have not. I've always wanted to do one where like the players are eating what the characters are eating. And like how like this is like literally giving them the beer like that's on the menu. Like something like that. What do you want? Um, but also I like to cook. and I've been working on my cooking skills because I... I'm an adult and I don't live at my mom's house anymore. <laughs> and I actually have like a kitchen which I can fill with food instead of just crackers. Um, but yes, that's what I want to do is like a meal with my yeah. game. One day. Yeah. That's a lofty goal though. I have done that. Well, I ha- not in a game I run, but a game I play in. I've mm-hmm. had DMs do that or like we'll be like, we'll like kind of potluck it, but like mm-hmm. figure out what everyone needs to make. But I was going to say, Sean, I've been playing D&D for like 13 years, and I never thought to use scented candles. I know, that like, is awesome. It's genius. never even occurred to me. I feel like I should use And it's so candles. obvious when you think about it. I mean, most of them are going to be floral. Oh, I guess you could have Christmas ones for like a Christmas game. I <gasps> mean, like, the, the, the thing I will say is like, only do this for like, yeah, fun Christmas one shots. Yeah. Oh, or, God, yeah. Or they're Not in a, every day. They're in, a, in a, a temple where it's supposed to smell like... I don't know, you get that, like, some kind of incense or something, but, mm-hmm. like, don't try to find, like, corpse flower candles for when they're in a crypt. <laughs> Ew. Ugh, you smell a dead body. <laughs> Guys, that's the mouse behind the cupboard. Don't worry about him. I kept him there extra long for this game. <laughs> oh, we had a, I had a mouse once at a place I was living in, and there was, it was disgusting. We were like, what is that smell? And we couldn't find it for, like, a month. That happened to me recently, but uh. that's probably a little bit much for some of No, that's horrible. Please but, don't go that far. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just I was curious because it's something that like I've had this candle for a year now and I've uh-huh. been waiting for the opportunity to use it. And I think I think I either need to run a one shot where they're just in some giant maze that's a mystical library so I can just mm-hmm. light it. 
Um, but I'm that's so weird. mad because there's a company called Cantro Candles. That I think that's where I got it from. And like I'm reading through these in like Dungeon Depths Adventures. Yes. I mean, some of these I'm I'm assuming don't actually smell like the environment, especially if it's kind of like a more general one. But like, mm. yeah, the Library Scriptorium Sanctuary. I mean, it'd be easy to do an outdoor ones too. Just oh no, it's not. Sorry, it wasn't. It's not Cantro Candles, but it was a similar company. Yeah. Mm. And well, and there are so many companies that make strange scented candles or like mm. non-just standard ones. If you want to order them online, that it would be really easy to do that. I have another idea. Instead of making a meal for your characters, but just giving them a Jelly Belly candy and like not telling them what the flavor is, <laughs> I'm like, this is what you eat, and like you don't know what it's gonna be until they eat it. That's great. Jelly Bellies. That's what I'm gonna do in my next game. Game tea. GameTea.co.uk. Do they also make tea? <gasps> uh, they might. I, like I hope so. Oh my god, D&D tea. Yes. We drink it all. Anyways, I'm not going to sit here and look at my phone. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're we're starting to get towards the end. So, Well, I just, just really quickly. So we've covered touch, smell, sound, sight. Is there, There's a f- fifth sense that I'm forgetting. T- Telepathy. <laughs> <laughs> Only sometimes. I guess we'll taste, but we kind of covered that. Well, with like, like food, yeah. Uh, like making food as yeah. a snack. Jelly belly candies, y'all. Oh my Just god, sad. scratch and sniffs. Scratch and sniffs. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Just, you pass out one of those markers that smells. <laughs> we have to like disguise it so they can't tell. So you have to like, wrap it up. Like, <laughs> paper. Okay, the lid is pink. That's your only hint. I've switched the lids. You will never know what Genius. the scent is. You're going to think it's cotton candy. Oh, nope. That is definitely wood fire, which smells terrible. <laughs> I like tutored a kid where we had the scented markers and he loved brown, which smelled awful. It's the worst. Wasn't it supposed to be cinnamon, but it kind of just didn't smell like anything? No, these were a newer one and they smelled like campfire, like aggressive campfire. Like you're like, the house is burning down. Where is that coming from? No, why? Okay. So bad. Um, cinnamon would be okay. I can you smell cinnamon though. I guess you can. Yeah, no, you can. Yeah, cinnamon has a Cinnamon has a smell. That would be a better, better smell for a candle. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> Tori, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we gotta, Thanks for having me. We got to ask you the traditional final question, oh. which is if you could give yourself one piece of advice about building ambiance, ambiance in, uh, into your games, like back when you first started DMing, what's the piece of advice you give yourself? Oh my goodness. I think I would tell myself to do it sooner because I think I delayed a lot of it, like just trying to get better at it. Like I just had pencil and paper. That's all I did. And I was kind of, it was daunting. Oh, there's so many easy ways. And now we've already covered so many of them. But <laughs> it's so easy. I'm going to have to go back and listen and be like, what do I want to do for my next game? Um, but yeah, I think not being afraid to just like go ahead with your ideas sooner than later and like yeah. not being worried about, well, the players like this because like, eh. I'm being the DMs. They just live with it. One one thing that I just realized, though, that I should say is that if you're going to use scent or you're going to try and cook a meal for them, (laughs) check with your players first. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Because if people are asthmatic, then scented candles can Mm, uh, trigger that. And if they're allergic, then you don't want to kill them. Yeah. Well, and like there's even for people who are not asthmatic, there are lots of people who are like scentiverse and stuff like that. (laughs) But like, yeah ask for consent when doing those kinds of things True. like you kind of just should anyway yeah. i mean that's just your life yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean hopefully you know the person well enough you already know that they have scent issues i know all yeah. my friends who have that like they're very upfront i'm allergic to like half the perfumes in the world and i just suffer all the time on the bus <laughs> oh yeah i can't imagine <laughs> it's not fun i still suffer i have like one perfume i'm definitely allergic to but when i'm feeling fancy i forget and i'm like <clears throat> mistakes were made Oh no! <laughs> um, but thank you again so much for coming on. Yeah. This has been super fun. It was great. Yeah. I had so much fun. Thanks for having me. Where can people find you online? Oh yeah, I exist. Um, I have a podcast called "I Like Your Dress." You can follow us on I think it's L I Y L Y L 
I-L-Y-D. I-L-Y-D. Those are the acronyms podcast at Twitter. I don't know. Go to our Instagram. I think it's I Like Your Dress yeah. podcast because I think we actually... Twitter's so silly. You can't have a long name on it. It's so difficult. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you look, I like your dress.ca, that's our website, which has all, you know, all the links. It's easy. You'll find it from there. Yeah. Um, and I have my own Twitter, which you don't need to, you don't need to find that. Yeah. It just exists. Um, yes. What is, what is the show about? We talk about new topics every week, every two weeks. And we interview people who inspire us who are doing cool shit in the community. Cool. That's how I'm going to sell it. Yeah. And they're kind of like the two episodes in a row are kind of yeah companion we do episodes, like right? just us and then we do an interview so it's like a pair of things i sent my roommates my episode on burlesque because a lot of them do dancing and they were like excited because they know porsche favreau yeah. and they're like oh we're gonna listen to porsche we've danced with her she's awesome and i sent them the one by mistake that didn't have her in it and they were listening the whole time they're like when is she gonna bring out a porsche this is weird <laughs> but i goofed on that uh, but yeah i'm around i have a podcast i uh i'm cool just just find me around <laughs> I don't know how I'm, how I'm selling this, but yeah, no. Well, sounds it. good. I enjoy the show. But thanks so much again for coming on, and um, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good day. Yeah. Bye. Mwah. Bye. Thank you for listening to DMs of Vancouver. We acknowledge that the land we live, work, and play on is the unceded territory of the Coast Salish peoples, including the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. In recognition of that fact, we ask that you please support Raven, a charity that helps support Indigenous people throughout Canada. You can find them at raventrust.com. We are a part of the Cave Goblin Network. To check out other shows on the network, please visit cavegoblins.com. You can support the show and the network by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash cavegoblins. You can also support the show by leaving us a review on iTunes or talking about the show. You can find us on Twitter at DMs of Vancouver, at Jesse Boros, and at Sean P. Hagen. Our art is done by the wonderful Haley Boros. See more of her work at haleyboros.com. Our theme music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod. Find his work at acompetech.com. I was told that once, Frost Cricket was a humble prefect of the Celestial City. But when Wanderlust whispered her name, she left to travel the Earth on foot. Her journeys inspired many stories, and those stories inspired other stories. Some idiot wrote them all down, and ever since, fools have been telling and retelling the tales of Frost Cricket. Hear them all on the Cave Goblin Network. I'm Piers Ray. Sitting with me is Eric Ivanovich. My name is Eric Ivanovich. We're the hosts of Podcast vs. Podcast right here on the Cave Goblin Network. This is the only podcast pitching show on the internet. Tune in, find out if we can ever find the perfect podcast, or more importantly, can we agree on it? This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.